Hey everyone, on this episode, I'm going to be talking with Ben about what we've learned over the last three seasons hunting as a group doing deer drives in the hills during Ohio's muzzleloader season. We've definitely talked about this a lot in the past and we've made a bunch of videos of this hunt, but what's really cool about this is we learn so much doing it every year and every year we go into it with a new set of expectations and little tweaks to our plan and in this podcast we're going to be talking about those plans and just some of the things and examples that helped us learn some of these little changes I guess. There's always mistakes that happen, and especially when you're hunting with a big group. There's more people involved, there's more odds for mistakes, but there's also more odds for success in theory. So as we chip away at learning this new style, we're just having a blast talking about it and changing things up. And I think that when somebody makes a mistake, we all learn from it, and it's something that I feel like we can share with you guys really well. So hopefully, even if you're hunting alone and not with a group, you can maybe try to prevent these mistakes from happening in your own hunts. The season's about to start. I'm frantically trying to get a bunch of little things done before everybody gets here. It's going to be crazy. But before we get into the episode, I wanted to remind you guys that we have partnered with Go Wild. Go Wild is a free social community where nothing's censored and you can really be yourself and talk with other hunters. You can share your trophies, you can do gear reviews, and you can also learn from other hunters as well. But they wanted me to let you guys know that they're doing a 30-day workout program that's designed to get you in shape for turkey season that's called the Go Wild Challenge. There's no equipment needed, and to sign up, you just have to download Go Wild. Hopefully that helps hold yourself accountable to get in shape for the turkey season, which is never a bad thing. I'm a big fan of doing that because if you're in good shape, it's just going to help your hunting all around. And it's going to make it a lot more enjoyable because you hopefully won't be sucking as much wind the whole time. Also, when you're on Go Wild, if you want to save 10% off of all orders on their website, you can use the code THP. If you're listening to this, you're probably a hunter and they got a bunch of cool hunting gear on there. So being on there may help save you a little bit of money on something that they have available on their store. Also, with a lot of deer seasons starting to kind of wrap up, some of you may be thinking about getting a new bow. And I wanted to remind you guys that we can save you 10% off of all bear equipment if you use the code THP10. Obviously, too, we've got the new THP Adapt, which is a really affordable bow. I've been shooting it all season, and I think most of the other guys in the group have as well. But I've been incredibly impressed. And as far as just a great all-around, easy-to-tune bow that's affordable, I'm not really sure that I've ever seen a better option. Now, maybe I'm biased, so take that for what it's worth. But go to your local shop, shoot it, see what you think yourself. And if you do end up liking it, like I said, we can help save you a little bit of money there as well. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Let's talk muzzleloader hunting in the hills. Well, we're sitting here in my apartment. Zach came down for the two day, two or three days before season mm-hmm. starts, which is pretty ideal. So we're not just frantically getting here at 6 p.m. and getting all this figured out. Yeah. It's a lot more relaxed, but still just like getting our ducks in a row. Which is proving to be a challenge this year more than other years because we just got a lot more going on really yeah, we're scaling up as far as people go yeah scaling up and hopefully going to be able to get an even better video out of it ultimately like yeah it's, it's one of the main you know aspects of this and, and to do that we have a big number of total people but in reality we only have like half of that as far as actual guns go mm-hmm. so every time we do this the goal is to go in as a team. Even with, you know, a quote-unquote driver, we're hoping to have guys with cameras 
in position because there's just so much risk involved when you're doing a drive. Everybody can be a stander or a shooter. Everybody's out there with a gun, but, you know, or I shouldn't say everybody, again. Everybody that's moving in trying to bump a buck has a gun, but, you know, you're not necessarily going to be the guy or you're, you're not necessarily going to be the guy to shoot if you're the stander, I guess is what I'm getting at, or the poster. Yeah, we're just trying to make sure that this is this will be the first year that we have as many cameramen, maybe even more sometimes, <laughs> than we have people with guns. Yeah. I mean, hopefully by the end of this trip, we've got twice as many cameramen as we have gunners. Yeah. Well, which, we tagged out. <laughs> yeah, which if that's the case, then, you know, we can easily flip-flop, and that's kind of the beauty of it. I mean, that's how Hayden, Hayden did it last year. Yeah. He was running camera originally, and then... Got his opportunity, hunted for one drive in Ohio. I think, yeah, he had a tag for less than 24 hours or something. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty funny. <laughs> pretty funny how that worked out. But this will be what our, is this our fourth year mm-hmm. doing this trip? Senior yeah. year, man. Senior year. It's nice. kind of how I think about like stuff in groups well, that, of four, especially with something new. Because it's like, the same thing with elk hunting, I'm pretty sure. Because, yeah, well, it is mm-hmm. our fourth year of elk hunting. It's kind of that same deal where you, you know, if you think about it like sports, which yeah. I have a tendency to do, <laughs> you, you, you'll, you know, have hopefully some things that you learn throughout that time. Same thing that you do when you're playing sports in your freshman year. Well, you're kind of a noob out there. And when we were hunting together back in middle school then. Yeah. As in, oh, yeah. As in which was actually college. Yeah. <laughs> the pre-team uh, pre hunt, muzzleloader hunts. Yeah. Yeah, I guess we have been doing You and I have been doing I think doing we've it. hunted muzzleloader probably like the last 10 seasons together or something yeah it's actually maybe missed one but for the most part maybe missed a it's cu- probably the yeah, season we've hunted together the most consistently honestly yeah, that's true i never really thought about it like that and i don't know that until last year you or i have ever killed a buck doing it <laughs> have we <laughs> no, i don't think so. not together <laughs> that's kind of weird to think about but here we are still trying, so oh, yeah. I guess we're having enough fun. We're having, having way more. I think we're having way more fun oh, now. definitely way more fun. <laughs> we sat there last night, and at one point, Zach was just rattling off all kinds of terms that we use for terrain and for, you know, the way we're driving. And all of a sudden, he just looked at me, and he's like, this is alien speak to most people. <laughs> it's so, like, these ter- not only these terms, just like inside terms, but they're just getting rattled off quickly. Like, if you just took a... A random person that is not from the group and threw them into this conversation of uh, where to go on a hunt, they'd be totally confused. But anymore, man, we're not just going right down the ridge line. We're going up the nose, and we got side hill guys now. You know, it's just like <laughs> a whole new bowl, a whole new world. Keep that in mind. <laughs> Don't leave your post. <laughs> I think it's really interesting. One of the things that I mentioned to Hayden and Shane today when talking to him on the phone is when we first did this, the last day with the drive thing, mm-hmm. the last day we only had six people. Oh, yeah. This year, we're going to hopefully have, what, at by the end, 16 total with eight guns afield. Yeah. That's eight teams. So that's a lot more going on than three teams. Yeah. You know? And our, our, I'd say our biggest complaint in all the drives that have failed, I mean, there's certain reasons why we think certain ones have failed and maybe just the right, you know, the wrong deer were the ones coming through that, this or that. But it seems like the most consistent thing is we just had It's whole, Colin's fault. It's mostly Colin's <laughs> fault. He's looking at blind squirrels. 
But I think the biggest thing is like we, you look at after a drive, it's like, man, we could have had another guy there in that hole and we're almost doubling the number of people we had in a lot of those drives in the first year. So hopefully we're filling more holes and, and knowing how to, you know, adjusting our strategy this year a little bit. Yeah. Based on what we learned last year, largely. Yeah. And it, it's funny because every year you chip away a little bit and then the next year going into the next year, you're like, man, I'm so co- much more confident and like, you know, maybe they're chipping away at one thing. And then by year four now, there's been several kind of light bulb moments for us too that have just made us ultimately feel more confident, just major changes. I think that's, um, you know, and obviously with more people, it's, I feel that you could be listening to this and thinking, well, obviously you're just getting more people the deer have no chance. And it's, it really, I think what makes this so fun is it feels like maybe the lowest odds hunting you I mean I'm not saying that this isn't an effective strategy it is but like we're really just not that good at it I think is what I've realized Mm -hmm. because you know you think and I think a lot of people hear deer drive and like they just it's unethical it wipes them all out it's like man it took us three years of trying to accomplish the goal Mm -hmm. and there's still so many that we're going to fail on in the future and I think that's what's so fun about is it's it's a whole different strategy and and that's kind of where that first year I think we just locked in on it's like man this is the first time any of us other than probably Shane I did it very little you probably did it very little it's like none of us had really done much drive for driving and especially not done drives in this type of terrain right on public land yeah yeah and we had like you said hunting the past whatever however many seasons it's been of muzzleloader together there's been some public land hunts but like until we started doing this driving that really late season pounded public land we just felt like we were beating our heads against the wall trying to hunt it alone with that being said, I think we would do better because I think we're just more experienced hunters than we were, you know. Yeah, and like we've talked about in any any kind of group hunt, even if you're hunting like all separately, a still hunting or something like that, you're, you're learning as a group. Mm-hmm. So you might have six to eight to, you know, possibly 16 times the experience you bring out of one opportunity. And everybody looks at things a little bit differently. Yeah. I think, you know, you have in your head what everything looks like and how deer are going to use the terrain and, and, you know, kind of the, the hot spots. And I would say generally we all think for the most part the same, but it's those oddball ideas and theories and like points or the way somebody says something and explains something really well is what makes these light bulb moments click mm-hmm. for me. Cause like, honestly, a lot of the light bulb moments I feel like happen for me when, somebody even in the group just brings up something specific. Like, Mm. I mean, I think of you talking about like bulls and how deer bed in bulls and how much we've used that. You talking about how they bed on knobs, stuff like that on high points. And then I think about how Shane has talked about the decision-making point. And it's like Mm. the way sometimes people say things helps me so much to where it's not even necessarily always something that somebody observes. It's also just the conversation around it. Because, mm-hmm. like, we don't get back to camp either or Ben's place or wherever and get back and just completely 
go off the topic of hunting. Yeah, it's like 100%. What did we see today? You know, what did you see this year? Telling stories that way that helps everybody learn. And I don't know, that's, that's just so fun. So even if you're just scouting, I think, if you were just going to go scouting on a scouting trip, go with friends, man, as many mm-hmm. as you can, as many as you, you, you know, are willing to share your spot with. <laughs> <laughs> and I think, I guess well, that's probably like a topic really too. It's like, we've been lucky to just, you know, over the years, just obviously meet groups of friends that you're like, Hey, you know, we're going to do this together. And you know, you trust them, you mm-hmm. trust them with safety and, you know, just being ethical, being, you know, in the Woodsman right spot. Too. Woodsman, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, not, and not to say that if you're, like, you know, I guess the, the number one thing, I suppose, is really safe, I would say. But then, yeah, Woodsman is good. I think I really yeah, like it. Yeah, because, I mean, a lot of people you, you put in these scenarios that we're doing drives and, like, we're talking such specific, like, a matter of 40 30 to 40 yards difference mm-hmm. on a map shows nothing. You know, that's mm-hmm. one contour line maybe. But, you know, when you're pointing at that, like to be able to relay that to somebody and be like, this is really where we think you need to be, but make your own judgment when you get mm-hmm. there. Like this is a, being able to like translate, you know, whatever leader's intent or whatever they call it. And then those, everybody in our group is very able of just also just yeah. being like, no, I need to be like right there. Yeah. Seeing it Which in is a moment. Mind. Yeah. Yep. And then being able to also just get out of the woods safely. Mm-hmm. You know, if your phone dies, like you, we're still going to be able to find each other. Right. And that's like a huge part of the trust too. Cause mm-hmm. if you get out there and things aren't coordinated, you may, you know, screw up the next couple of drives a day, or you might, you know, even worse situation, somebody gets hurt or something. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I feel like with this group, we're all just on the same page. Do we know where we're going to meet and how mm-hmm. we're going to get to the next drive? And, yeah, and I think that that's a point that I'd never really thought about even is that you trust, and and I guess we have made little things different to confirm that, you know, I, I guess how, I guess what I, that com- what comes to mind when you say that exactly is the adjustment to, hey, you're going to see somebody at some point. Like mm-hmm. this guy is essentially going to drive past you know, this guy. And we're not necessarily going past somebody where you're going right in front of your gun too. I think that's probably important to note when you're in Hills, that driver eventually hits a point where, you know, he's above the standard for the most part. Mm -hmm. So like, you're not necessarily going past each other. You're always keeping terrain, you know, to where you're shooting in a safe position. Mm -hmm. Right. I think that's important. So the adjustment that we've made is, all because of the patient Larry story, which yeah. maybe we've told before. It certainly is told on video, but if anybody needs a refresher, we were setting up a drive. It was um, it was the last day of season, I'm pretty sure, and Larry had made this prior obligation to meet a friend, I think, up on yeah. his property, which is a ways away. Mm-hmm. And we were going in to set up this drive, and Everybody, I think, was on the same page. Everybody felt good about it. We set, like, these specific times that we were confident in. I think everybody got into position comfortably. And then we were sitting there, and I was with Grant, and I was filming him, and I'm just, like, patiently waiting and just totally expecting that, well, at some point I'm going to see a driver. And all of a sudden I looked down to to my right where we had kind of come from and had left Larry. 
and here comes somebody walking through the woods. Sure enough, it's Larry, and he's just like, we set a we set a start time, but we didn't send an end time. And I'm just like, oh, I guess I just completely assumed, but you know what that does. And I was like, I guess I figured I'd see somebody coming down the hill. And he's like, oh, all right. And then like, you know, we'll never totally know what that gap left. And not, it's not the end of the world. It really was not that big of a deal, but it taught us a lot, meaning, hey, every time you come through the drive, let's just make sure we're tight enough to where you will see somebody because we don't have cell phone service. We don't use walkie talkies, like none of that, because it's just really about the timing of everything, in our opinion, at least. We believe that that's one of the main aspects that makes this mm-hmm. yeah, successful. Because we're, we're doing like very specific drives. I'm sure we've talked about it in other videos and not to say we haven't done the occasional like larger scale one, but for the most part, these are pretty specific, specific, like one to two bedding areas at most Mm -hmm. and various super specific exit routes to where like you have to be at the right spot. Otherwise, you know, you might leave that 30 yard gap. That's bad, Mm -hmm. but you also just might not be able to see the other guy you're trying to not shoot. Yeah. So being able to coordinate that all into a small area. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, it takes kind of like precision timing. I think that's something that we've learned moving forward i think that's one of the big changes that i feel that we're going to make this season that we've made in the past a little bit and we've gotten better at it but i think we're just going to continue to make these little decisions i guess some examples of what we're talking about so one thing that we've done that's been i think probably one of the best things we ever started doing is like the 10 minute rule Mm -hmm. when we do what I would call the 10 minute rule. What that means is, is everybody know, everybody knows this too. Like it's, it's a known thing that the 10 minute rule applies to really everyone, but the driver's start time. So what we'll do is let's say we're going to start at three o'clock exactly at three o'clock. The standards should be in position, but if they're not, by a variety of reasons. Sometimes it's thick. Sometimes it's steeper than what you thought. Sometimes you just didn't allow yourself enough time to get into position in general. Like you physically just can't get there fast enough, which we have we usually don't do. We kind of overshoot. So mm-hmm. that three o'clock time is usually a good 20 minutes, I would say, after we're confident that everybody's going to be in position. Mm-hmm. So the standards get into position at that three o'clock time. And then the 10 minute rule is that the driver's wait an extra 10 minutes just in case they're not there because like we said there's all these variables that may prevent you from making it to a spot on time some of which might be just seeing deer or Mm -hmm. getting on like a little side deal you know so just giving ourselves plenty of time to circle around these target areas has definitely been something that has worked in our favor because if you don't do that and you start driving too early and guys aren't in position you're just, I mean, really uh, leaving huge holes for one, and we've had that mistake. The one that comes to mind is uh, the 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 old twenty wide buck. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like the thing. I guess quick story can be watched on the YouTube channel, but basically our standards were going in to be 
standers mm-hmm. and we were going in to be drivers and that completely got flip-flopped when the deer busted off their side of the valley jumped up at point blank and the story goes that the biggest buck that they ever saw was four yards from them and they were you know had that mentality of being a a stander and therefore they weren't really ready is mm-hmm. what it kind of sounds like and the buck got up and ran away and once he hit the open he took off fast and Zach missed him, which there's no video of, and then Tyler missed him as well. But, uh, yeah, that's that's one that taught, I feel like, taught me the value of the timing. Mm-hmm. Would you agree? Yeah. Do you have any other examples of timing that you're like, man, we messed that up and we learned from Oh, it. yeah. Do you remember the first year? I don't really know if this made it into a video because it was such a low point. It was like the second day. <laughs> Right before we found the cave. Well, yeah, the video, the cave was, or the rock outcrop was in the video. Yeah, I kind of blocked that out. I'm starting but to But that think. drive before that was just bad. not, yeah, it was just not, like, we all around. Place. Why were we in a bad place? We were hungry. We were mentally yeah, in a bad place. Yeah, we were hungry. We had, like, that was, like, the third drive we'd done in that same unit. Like, we hadn't. We hadn't pulled had, out. Hadn't planned, had planned maybe one of those drives out. And then we ended and up then we were just like and exhausting ourselves. Yeah. And like they, we were just throwing them together one after the next and mm-hmm. probably stirring, you know, stirring deer up and seeing places. does. Yeah. And, and does not even doing what we really wanted no, to, no. like just flying. <laughs> yeah. Like I remember a couple of times seeing does that were just hauling it, which I mean, it was working for moving deer, but it wasn't working for doing what we wanted. And like, we also were just, like you said too, the other takeaway of that is that I have from that day. And I, like I said, I'd honestly kind of blocked that out Yeah. was make sure everybody's ready to go all day. Yeah. Cause I can't guarantee we're pulling out. We learned that. Oh, and yeah. like, we all learned that the hard way. I was just as guilty as everybody else. Mm-hmm. I'm not like saying that, like I know better, but taught me that. The other thing it taught me was, was just go, to the places that you think there's big bucks and everybody has confidence you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. just have more of a plan for where you're gonna go or just straight up get out of there like we didn't like you said we didn't have a plan we just start throwing things together which definitely early on made more sense because we had less experience in these areas but now it's you know I, i guess i just feel like we have a better gauge of area target areas already yeah yeah, I think the one thing the first year we learned uh pretty quickly when we actually started moving deer was just like the that year the specific yeah, that year the specific topography and like side of the hill that deer were using. Mm-hmm. And then we just started like we hit that we realized that trend it might be a little bit different this year, you know, whatever. We saw a trend and we just kept like approaching similar beds we were moving deer around in those spots like consistently and i think that was something cool because like mm-hmm. the first couple of days we hunted in a different spot which we weren't seeing any deer mm-hmm. and if we were they were like like not even in our world mm-hmm. kind of scenarios but um yeah i feel like that first year we kind of honed it down to being like oh we can kick this specific like bedding area mm-hmm. and then be set up and mm-hmm. we started to build really by the end of that year i mean we had a couple running close bias. calls, yeah. yeah. I mean, even that first, yeah. Even on the second day, was it the second or third day? I think second it was the second day. day where we had the one come past you and Shane. Yeah. And that was, I mean, that's like a super memorable hunt, obviously, for us. It was the first success yeah. where we had a buck come right 
through somebody's shooting lane. I mean, right there Mm -hmm. just wasn't quite the opportunity, but for the timing thing, I don't know if an example comes to mind, maybe it does for you, but something that I feel, um, we've learned is knowing like what everybody around you is doing is important because when you make those final moves to your spot, there's always there's always the risk again that you that you kick something. And I think just knowing like the, the even more specifically than just the ten minute rule now, I think having what we're now calling these staging spots mm-hmm. that you get to that as you split off, everybody kind of gets to their staging spot. So that's a time, another time that I think we're going to add this year. It's going to complicate things, but it's going to add this, what, third time. Mm-hmm. You've got the stage time that you get to that spot and you stage until the stage time's over. And then you go to your next spot, which is, um, I guess, the start time. Mm-hmm. And then at the final last 10 minutes everybody just collapses kind of their last little move and then some guys last move is going to be super aggressive some guys last move is going to be sneaking to where he can kind of see the target betting area now mm-hmm. and some guy might be popping over the top of a saddle another guy might just be going headfirst into the thickest bs he's ever seen <laughs> but that type of timing is where I feel like I'm really excited for this year. It's something we've never done before, but I do believe it's something that we've learned. Mm-hmm. I guess an example of it would be the one that Shane and Hayden shot at last year. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't know that we've specifically talked about like a stage timing or even locations, but we all just like out of intuition figured it out. I think we were just cocky enough that day. Yeah, I mean, really, probably. we were. <laughs> I remember going into that and being like, "We're killing one," and it like a spot that we had pretty well knew there'd be at least a buck in. Yeah, that definitely helped things. Yeah. Do you think of any situations though, other than the the twenty wide buck that like timing was a factor? You mean? Yeah, because we definitely have messed that up. Um. I mean, one little note would be a lot of times I think that's a mystery. Yeah, you know, that's a good I point. think it's like, I don't know. Yeah. Why wasn't he in there? Well, maybe the timing that was could, messed up. Yeah, that is a good point. Like, that that's the one perplexing thing. It's like, okay, here's one. It's not really the timing. It's kind of more like the approach, but it's the way we all got in there. Last year, it was like Shane, Tyler, Jake, and I went in from – this other direction everybody else was going to be standards and it was like a really large scale like end of the day drive and um we ended up encountering a shed buck mm-hmm. that shane just like popped over a hill and saw like way away from the drive but then when we got there we saw like big beds and then like in kind of spots where we could like oh crap we should have considered this to be maybe another bedding area that was really close to the one we're trying to drive and those deer obviously didn't go into the drive um, so like, I mean, which one of those, I mean, that you don't learn that until you see those beds or end up bumping those deer. But the hard part, like what you're saying is like, if you don't see bucks at all, but we're like, there's a lot of signs. <laughs> yeah. We found a shed yeah, <laughs> or found a deadhead. Or like, find a big track. Big track. Yeah. They're like, where did these suckers go? Mm-hmm. I'll throw an interesting thing in there. So very rarely run trail cameras out here, but one year I had one out, I think 
during muzzleloader i think it was like last year two years ago we had one out during muzzleloader and we had been in there like that morning and then like that evening there's just a huge oh, yeah. buck that's just yeah. the only buck that had been on that camera for like four months mm-hmm. and it was in this very like tight drainage where very few deer were going through even obviously not like a core area of his and he was like moving mm-hmm. and uh it made me wonder like we had seen big tracks that day we were in like Colin thought he, Colin and Keith thought they jumped a buck from a really oddball spot that we all overlooked. Yeah, and not very far from that camera. Mm-hmm. So it's one of those things that makes me wonder. And there was other people surely in like the same unit, but mm-hmm. it it seems a little it seems like a weird scenario where like we might have caught a glimpse of like what's getting out of some of these drives because mm-hmm. obviously we're not getting big buns on everyone no yeah I mean, <laughs> rare, like pretty much never yeah. you know i think that's also what just goes to another example of why it's so hard you know and i mean i guarantee there's more people out there with experience and they're listening and they're like these guys duh like all these things we've been doing this for forever there's nothing new here but like we haven't so we're just learning we're learning it as we go and that's what we love about it yeah that one that you're talking about with the picture and the you know, Colin and Keith jumping that deer, like as far as the scale goes on that one too, that's something that we've just changed so much and still will continue to change because conditions play a lot in the scale. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to treat things a lot differently based off of, um, you know, wet conditions, windy, rainy, uh, snowing, like crunchy snow versus not crunchy snow. That changes all of that Mm -hmm. as far as scale because you can bump deer from different distances when the conditions change but on that one i don't necessarily know that there was any condition that was forcing us to make it huge scale but like looking back on that if i'm i think it was just the location like we just looked at him we're like we just do these ridges and that's like that's really like 200 acres oh it's so huge and And, and and there's so many opportunities for them to get out yeah yeah so now, how would you describe? Cause, cause, uh, Go ahead. One more point on that. So, like the first year, and really the second too, and even still to like last year and probably this year going to happen again. There's going to be times where it's just like, oh, we saw does. What the heck? Like, there's a buck, and and like, and there's his signs in there, so we yeah. believe he's there. Yeah, and the scale is just going to change, I guess, mm-hmm. but this year we're trying to target even like going in we're we're for one we're planning a lot more spots mm-hmm. um and you know we're gonna like narrow down the drives to like seven to ten acres you've been looking at mm-hmm. i mean not, I think, not as a rule but yeah it kind of ends up being we're covering that and when you think about that i mean that pretty much gives everyone an acre to mm-hmm. cover mm-hmm. which you can totally shoot an acre yeah <laughs> it's a football field yeah so. yeah that's a good point um never thought about it that way like once we all completely condense down, um, yeah. Hmm. Which interesting. If you know, it all comes down to like if he's in there. Yep. And if we nail that timing, I think. Yeah, I think the the mistakes with the scale become the timing. Yeah. And your routes in because, you know, it's one of these deals where. What's I guess well, this is what's held us up in the past, is we're really good at bumping deer from a really long way away. Mm-hmm just consistently something that we all do me you and keith Mm -hmm. and we've got all these experiences of doing it and because of that we for one just 
always think that things are going to be really sensitive, but we've also just gotten better at understanding how we can stay away from that one specific area if we zone it, like really hone in on that one spot, how we can just get around it without blowing it from a long way away. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And then once you get into that spot, though, I, I a lot of times I, I say it's like getting into a new world. And I don't, I don't have anything. I've been saying that for so long now. I don't have anything better to explain it. Mm -hmm. But when you're using the terrain, when you can start to see something new, like a new piece of ground where you can actually physically see the ground, mm -hmm. that's when you start risking spooking things. And there's some of these spots where deer bed, they're bedding there because they can see that ground in so many different directions that it is really hard to slip in there and not spook, especially a wise old buck well before people are even close to him. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like he's, he's bumping potentially at times. I'd say there's been plenty of times that we'll never know about for sure, but we can guess. This is would be my guess. We're bumping at times bucks probably a, a, an easy 450 yards from us and then never getting any closer to anyone else in the group. Mm -hmm. You know, like they're just getting out that clean. Now, those are probably our sloppiest ones ever, but I'm sure it's happened. Mm -hmm. you know? And I'm sure there's ones where we've gone through there and they've laid 40 yards below mm -hmm. you on the bank and they're just like, well, if it's just a dude walking down the trail, they did that all bow season. Yep. I'm safe. I'm safe. Yeah. But, like, the way that we were kind of approaching a lot of the ones we were drawing up last night is, like, everybody's more or less hunting their way to that staging area and then to the, whatever, the other, like, start point. Mm -hmm. So, you're, you're like, everybody's just hunting the whole time. Mm -hmm. And you're not, like, trying to play off really that movement that much. You're just trying to make sure that you're, like, not just bulldoze into your standing spot mm -hmm. which in the first year the second year i mean we were doing a lot of like a lot of that where you know you'd have an hour of guys just stirring things up from mm -hmm. who knows how far away mm -hmm. and then yeah so i mean i think i think it's i think really just planning out the routes too is just going to help help us all um hunt our way in and, and know where we want to be trying to shoot the deer. Mm -hmm. um, that's, that's a, that's a thing that we've definitely been focusing on in the last few that we've been drawn up here. The, the thing that I'm excited about is the lesson of just closing in on that escape point, mm -hmm. like committing to driving it towards a spot, a specific terrain feature and, and not making too much of a rule of what that has to look like, but when you commit to that, just pushing it right to that spot and then closing that spot off, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. So basically, the progression of this looks like we pick a spot on the map that we believe that a buck will bed based off of wind, you know, timing of the year, food sources, whatever. Mm -hmm. And those look a lot of different ways. You, I mean, we talk about buck bedding for forever, but we're not going to do that. We pick that spot, and then from that spot, we'll throw. We've been throwing on like different terrain layers. We've been putting on the 3D on the Onyx to where you can see, you know, this exaggerated terrain feature, and that really starts to show you from that bed where the most uh, 
I guess. Or the rain comes together. Yeah, and where the path of least resistance is, mm -hmm. right? The funnel, essentially. Mm -hmm. And, you know, a lot of times it looks like, you know, a bed, and it's just kind of generally flat around there. And then what's the next easiest place for him to go without going through something really gnarly, like really steep or thick, but still allows him to put terrain between himself and danger. Mm -hmm. and, and Shane kind of helped me get to this point where we were thinking about this, or I was thinking about this, by saying that's a decision-making point. When they get to that spot, that's where they have to make a decision of like where they can, they can go. And that's what kind of sparked that for me. And the exact example is, we got all kinds of footage to show from this one, is the one where Shane, I'm sorry, Tyler and Jake made the biggest move around the drive. Again, looking back on this, this was huge scale, stuff that we would change a lot of now, but it was only our second year doing it. But Shane, I'm sorry, Tyler and Jake went on the other side of the ridge and they made the biggest move and they went the furthest distance. I would think it was like a mile and a half and we had like maybe an hour left of daylight and yeah. they made that huge move for the final push of the day. Like it got dark on that drive, which yeah. was kind of sick really. So in that particular situation too, I think probably what played into the scale of that was the fact that it was so calm and crunchy that day that we were feeling like everything was really delicate, which it, it was, but we also committed to such a huge area that I guess uh, we left a bunch of gaps. So there was, pros and cons to the decision that we made but shane i remember after the hunt well and the the, the buck in that scenario went to the his decision making point mm -hmm. yeah he went to that train yeah because we got back and I, I guess i should tell the full story basically we were able to bump deer from a distance and i believe and i think you would agree that grant and i that day probably bumped that deer bef and though i guess those deer because it was a couple does and a buck Beautiful buck. I think he was a nine. Beautiful. Mm -hmm. Wide. Honestly looked a lot like that buck. Mm -hmm. But we were um, throwing rocks off the steep stuff just down into the thicket. Mm -hmm. And because of that, I bet we just bumped him from like, you know, there was that bowl. Mm -hmm. And I think he just was probably out on that super steep nose. And when that happened, and he bumped out of there and he ran down towards him by the time he got down there he was so chilled out that he was like chasing does rutting like he was lip curling i'm pretty sure mm -hmm. and uh when we got back well okay so also tyler just didn't have a shot mm -hmm. every time the buck stopped it was like you know kind of like torture it's torture for us as much as it is for y'all watching at home and tyler hates it too which is hilarious remember how pissed he yeah. was dude he came back and he was so mad that he didn't shoot because like he knew that we would all be like 100 percent expecting him to to take a shot of some sort and he mm -hmm. just hesitated but that's what's funny about the muzzleloader too and that's what i got on some whole i think i'm I'm pretty sure I told Whitney that story the other night when we were eating dinner. <laughs> just like stopped eating and just got so into that story and told it because I was saying why muzzleloader hunting is fun and why there's something even more special about that aspect mm -hmm. of it is you get that one shot. So you got to yeah. be responsible. 
and make a good decision, but you also like, you know, there's that fine line of, do I take an opportunity that isn't the best one? Right. When I could have a better one yeah. 10 seconds from now. Which is tough. It's or just, he's gone. Yeah, or he's gone. <laughs> and that's happened twice to us, which yeah. I like. Yeah. I mean, honestly, it makes it hilarious and fun. And like, if it wasn't for those experiences, we wouldn't learn a lot of these things, really. Right. It forces you to learn this because we get back and we're all huddled up and Tyler's, you know, he, I'm pretty sure he was like saying, I don't want to talk about it. Like just act bad about it. And Jake's making fun of him, which is perfect. And I remember all of us like, Oh, like no kidding. Like, I actually saw a big ass buck. Like, yeah. so we, um, are standing there though. And we're looking at the map and I remember Shane being like, where were they exactly? I'm like right here. He's like, oh. you remember what you guys did that day? You guys barely went anywhere. You guys took, Shane chose to do the like minimal walking because everybody went way around. Oh, yeah. Or, or, or at least yeah. some distance around. And Tyler and Jake went way around. Mm-hmm. And Shane was like, I'm not doing that. I'm going to just stay right here and hunt right down this ridge. So you guys slid down that ridge, which wasn't a terrible idea. Mm-hmm. But we get back and he's, Shane's pointing at the map and he's like, he's like, man. He's like, that was stupid. He's like, I actually like really had a lot of confidence in that spot because he's like right there. That's a decision making point. And, I, and he's like, but I was just too lazy to walk over there. Like, <laughs> you know, just admitted it. And it's like, got my mind rolling on this. And I think really what, what that means in that particular situation is it's a, it's a ridge where a valley or a bowl kind of splits the ridge off, you know, Mm. from the bottom up, it just splits that valley goes up into those ridges and splits everything off. Well, when the deer gets to that point, he stops, which he did. Mm -hmm. And he makes that decision where he wants to go. But in, in all, in general too, like no matter what, he's ultimately going to probably end up in the, that type of spot because that's how he's going to follow the terrain up. Just Mm -hmm. like, you naturally have a tendency to not go straight up the steep stuff. You see that little valley and you're like, oh, I'll take that up. Mm-hmm. Same thing the deer are doing. But then because of that, I started thinking about it a lot and thinking, how can we apply that? How can we use that and not let that happen again? And I think we, there, there was two really good examples back to back, one that worked and one that didn't. Mm-hmm. The, the day that Hayden and Shane shot at the same buck or the drive, that is an example of us closing off that funnel that we're pushing to. We got to that decision-making point and we put two guys there to where it's like, you know, you shall not pass, right? (laughs) It's like, you're not coming through this spot without us covering it. And because of that, both those guys got a shot at that buck, Mm -hmm. which I think is really cool. The thing that we messed up on the next one is we talked about it last night. We didn't do that. Oh, Shane yeah. got to that decision-making point. Hayden drove the top off. And you and I, like, instead of getting close to Shane, we, like, split the distance between Shane and our next guy. Mm-hmm. Instead of just getting tighter and closing off that spot and making sure we could cover, you know. I guess when you do that, too, you're taking two guys combined, like, let's just say chip shot range. 80 on either side. Hmm. And if you're doing that and you're making two triangles forward, you know, that are about 
you know, I guess the middle of the W would be <laughs> 80 yards roughly. Mm-hmm. You're just doubling your catch zone. Yeah. But if you spread guys out and you just got a bunch of little triangles like this and there's these big gaps, well, what's that do? You may still see that deer too, but if it's not in that 80-yard mm-hmm. zone in your chip, chip shot zone, he has to stop in the absolute perfect place the further out he gets. Mm-hmm. So if you just close that off and when you get that one shot – who cares if you see him? Like you're probably not taking that shot unless you get really lucky. Yeah. I think that also brings up one final point that I'm going to play off of this is the making the move. Like just make the move. Like be super aggressive. And that's what's fun to me about hunting in this style is you could potentially be a driver and like just the most aggressive still hunter of all time or like – he could be standing there in your post and be set up where you're real hid. Mm-hmm. And then the deer stops and looks the other way or looks at, you know, the guy driving and looks back up the hill or something. And you're like, oh, I got all kinds of time to move. And you just take a couple steps and get, you know, a clear shot to him. And I think those moves are really fun and cool too. And it gives you a bit, the ability to do that a lot in this style. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of got long winded on the, the closing the gap, but I think I, no, I think it's, I mean, I think that's pretty important. The, like just really filling in that what's the best, what's the most obvious escape route with the most decision-making points or that the best decision-making point mm-hmm. and then fill that in. And then what we've also added to this cause we have so many people is people like more or less sometimes four drivers kind of mm-hmm. moving all into one point more aggressively than the other people that mm-hmm. you mentioned so that they're like maybe one's ridge top, two are side hill and one's another side hill. That's like a bench below uh-huh. and we're kind of just strafing the hill with multiple people moving more or less at the same time. Um, and that way catching back, catching everybody's back door, I, I guess the way I, we've drawn it up is like everybody is moving in an escape escape route mm-hmm. so that if something gets stirred up in there and then obviously as your escape routes get narrowed down, they all hit like the funnel that you're mm-hmm. trying to go to. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what we did last year with, we keep talking about the Shane Hayden one, but it's our, that's, it's our favorite one ever. It's our, our we yeah, feel like it's our most effective. The one. first year we did that same drive and Shane and I, we all just barely missed it. Yeah. We missed the timing. Actually, we every, missed this yeah. position. I made a dumb decision to m- have us move up. Like, mm-hmm. there's a lot of mistakes on that one that were super subtle. Yeah. But that's how finicky this can be. Mm. Especially with muzzleloader, when you got to take that one shot, you know? Yeah. Yeah. What? So, what did we do in that one that was different then? Um. Well, f- okay. For one. I think there was two or three. Well, for one, we were driving at the opposite direction, not down at all. Kind of was like. We kind of were. We kind of were, but what what was unique about our strategy, looking back at that, is we were actually kind of driving it side hill. We that, were actually yeah, only on the side Shane hill Shane and escapes. I were waiting to make that move. And Keith and Colin probably just got there way and too we were And we ended up just being in like kind of the perfect backdoor spot. Um, we just needed two people there. Yeah, and I think I think had you guys been maybe just a little bit down and further yeah, in, and like had tighter somebody to that nose. Down had in you the guys creek, even just you know. been tighter to that nose, I think too would have really helped mm-hmm. things. Now we have the ability to, and obviously hindsight's twenty twenty, but like 
when I look at that video, I all the time think, man, like there's something about it that just makes me feel like being right up there. Maybe that's where you guys were going. I can't really remember to be completely honest. No, but yeah, it was. We were hanging back because we thought if we got up there, we would bump. It didn't end up not mattering because we were trying to not bump the top. Yeah. And I mean, all these, I, I, I think that's the thing. It all makes sense what you're thinking in the moment. But then right. since then, we've definitely learned like, like just pushing up just to where you can just about see around that thing. Mm-hmm. And that, and by doing that, you would, you would be a little bit further up there and catching that side hill. Like when you look at that spot on the map, to me, it's really funny because all the timing was just off enough too, that that didn't happen. Because mm-hmm. had you guys started to make a move forward in any way, just towards where they came down, which is kind of that small nose mm-hmm. on the end, you know, edge of the bowl, had you been doing that better timed with Colin and Keith letting their wind drop over, mm-hmm. which we think is probably why they ran. Yeah. And then the mistake that I made on that one for sure was I was like, Grant, I think we should move up there. And and because of that, we got aggressive. And I think one just straight, we either bumped him and he straight cut back on us or he bumped from those guys' wind as well. But the ones that you guys saw, I think bumped from wind. Yeah. Be my guess. Just based off. Yeah, because we had a fawn come right to us Uh at the same time, pretty much. Mm -hmm. Just a couple minutes after, right? Yeah. It's like the next clip, I'm pretty sure, after. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm hoping that, so something um, that we ran into a lot that year for whatever reason, I don't know, in that in that particular region too, we've ran into a few times is like bucks in pretty big groups. Mm-hmm. Um, Yarded pretty, up type of yeah, it'd be pretty, actions. Pretty sweet to run into something like that <laughs> in these areas we've been drawing up because, yeah. you know, a little bit different topography and cover types than what we've had success in. Mm-hmm. Um we're just like targeting like really thick areas and a lot of these drives that we've drawn up. Mm-hmm. Um, but which, if we get into which, a scenario where same deal, all of a sudden there's two or three bucks bedding in this bowl. Mm-hmm. This, this style, like I'm, my money's on us shooting at least all three of them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, the hope is like, that I think I, the hope is, I think with the adjustments that we've made too, and I, I've talked about it a lot, the ideal situation is always going to be this a light little bump and the buck runs straight into somebody's gun. And it's like, by the time he makes it to that gun, he's just like, I'm good. I'm lip curling. Like, mm-hmm. like the one, uh, that the one nine point we mentioned earlier and a lot of other ones as well, but definitely that nine pointer, that's exactly the ideal situation of the reaction of a buck. But I think the next best thing and probably the most hectic way that, this could go down and what I'm, I'm hoping to have more situations like this just cause I think this is fun because I think it's everybody hitting that timing. Right. Is he's laying there or standing there feeding and all of a sudden he hears something and he's like, Ooh, and he's like really paying attention to that. And he's starting to think about getting out of there. Maybe he's even starting to, but right as that starts to happen, he hears, you know, guy number two. Ooh, that guy's kind of going towards where I was going. Maybe I'll go down. Ooh, somebody's down there too. And that's when that timing's just like sucking all right down to that same spot all at the same time. And when that happens, I think one of two things are going to happen. He's going to bust out of there super fast. So I'm probably not going to get an opportunity 
or we're going to get something where it's like total hesitation. Like, oh, he's running past right now. Yeah. And we're going to hesitate or he's going to hold tight and it's going to oh, get really yeah. weird. Which, yeah. I mean, with that being said, like, obviously we don't want either one of those things to necessarily happen. But like, if you, if you play it right, you're still like hopefully getting a, a decent shot. You know, I'm, I'm thinking when we talk about taking some of these shots, like, it's always you got to be confident enough to pull that trigger, you mm. know. So, you know, we're not necessarily going for a full sprint shot, but I think when you close that timing down, it's more likely. Let's put it that way. Mm. But with that being said, too, I think it would be really cool to be hunting our way in and just have like a big scale bump, but somebody just shoot one in a staging area, even oh, because I think like that's super likely. As we make these moves, it's just I don't know. It's just always a potential for you to become the driver or stander just depending on all the different stages of the moves. Mm -hmm. the, one, the one thing that I'm excited about and kind of my final thought I would say is the incorporation of the side hill theory mm -hmm. as we've dubbed it at this point, which again, we've, we've talked about this in previous episodes and kind of a whole video is dedicated to this thought process, I suppose. But when we were in Indiana, my main goal was to try to get as many experiences as possible, essentially just being the, like, a position of this drive. Mm -hmm. Just one position with nobody um, being a stander, just trying to be that, that backdoor escape or kind of sneaking into the bedding area like where you're kind of a hybrid of a driver stander mm -hmm. that position as we call it a lot of times we refer to that guy as like containment or the back door or the side hill guy mm -hmm. a lot of it's times all alien talk yeah all alien talk <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes that guy's on you know a bench sometimes he's going up and over fingers sometimes he's going down a logging road mm -hmm. and it's looked a lot of different ways but when I was in Indiana, I was basically in that position without anybody else on the team. And what I was trying to do with that is I was trying to see how deer reacted, how they escaped, and then also, like, how good were your odds of just shooting one being in that position. Mm -hmm. And I feel pretty good about that position right now because when you incorporate somebody coming in on the top, somebody coming in from the bottom, I think a guy or two depending on how big the hill is you know the you know if the hill's a short hill you maybe only need one guy on the side hill but if it's a tall you know really tall hill with a lot of elevation change you might put a guy at like the low bench and a guy at the higher bench and then a guy coming over the top and when we cover that i think and we keep moving and the timing's all closing in together that guy's in a really good spot because there's a really good chance that he's going to catch the number one thing that we have missed and is we almost got in the first year and the one that we talked about just a little bit ago mm -hmm. with uh you and shane mm -hmm. the two bucks going below you we almost had it with that but then we did have it when we did that drive that same drive again this year mm -hmm. as you and i we were the side hill guys because what happens i think we all both and all kind of agree at this point that the guy on top bumps the deer and a lot of times the deer does start to go down, but then where it goes after that is not always 
all that predictable. Mm-hmm. In the past, we've put a lot of guys down low and tried to run deer from the top all the way to the bottom. Mm-hmm. And what we've realized is, is it's really easy for that scale to get messed up because sometimes that bottom is 450 yards from where you bump the deer in between or maybe more than that sometimes probably 600 yards Mm -hmm. but there's a a lot of room between the you know two basically between two teams and where the bed is so there's just so much room for them to to move Mm -hmm. and get out of there and when you don't have that i guess back door escape covered we're probably missing a lot of deer and we've realized that by the mistakes that we've made but then when we were in indiana and we were testing that a bunch my main takeaways from a driving standpoint which i did not mention in the video was escape routes Mm -hmm. sneaking up on deer and being a more effective like hunter driver hybrid and then also um just i guess the advantages to that all around from, from like just a lone hunter standpoint, like I think that guy is going to sneak up on a lot of deer. I mean, it's basically the same position that I was in last year with that buck mm-hmm. is I was just kind of wrapping into the side hill. And I mean, that's, that's an example of how this light bulbed for me. But when you, when you're really basing a lot of things off of covering that in general too, you're just, you're just covering ultimately so much more like, because we don't always do that. We leave these huge gaps mm-hmm. and we also always make this joke or this saying something that I know you're going to just be like, yup, is there's always more to the hill than what <laughs> you think. And it's so true. There's a lot more from the top to the bottom than what, at least for me, what I allow myself to believe. Mm-hmm. I always miss that scale. So when that's the case, you're just leaving this huge window where deer can just escape and they, you know, a lot of times probably are doing that, Mm -hmm. you know, and by having side hill drivers, I think you're just clearing up a lot. We're also, when we're doing that too, not necessarily limiting ourselves to pushing it all the way to the bottom. Some of these drives that we have are like driving it into a bowl, Mm -hmm. driving it, you know, like maybe kind of side hill more than straight down. And I think that's just something that took some reps yeah to learn we used to just line the bottom and come in from the top and like while we may maybe still are doing that and some of the depending on what the shape of the terrain is we may still be doing that generally speaking but there's definitely a lot more specifics to that versus just evenly spreading out in a in a half moon circle at the base of a ridge you know yeah Yeah, and i think and i think that's part of why we we saw a lot of does doing that mm -hmm. it's like they're for one, they're in a group. So if the group starts to move, I feel like they just have a tendency to, like even we've seen some bucks do that with, mm-hmm. a, if they're with a group of other deer, it's like, Oh, we're all going yep. right out this way. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess it's hard, probably harder to coordinate a backdoor movement. If y'all just run down and scatter <laughs> and you're trying to stay together. Yeah. Um, but we were, we were just covering like those big, we were all covering like good escape routes for the most part, but like, then they weren't just fully covered. Like there was gaps mm-hmm. and we didn't just commit to one of them Yep. based on that one most important one that we is based on where we think the buck is yep. betting. Which picking that spot really helps you scale that all down too. Yeah. You know what I think? And like you said uh, yesterday, you're like, if he's there, we kill him. 
because we've narrowed this down. If he's not there, he's, we just move to the next one. Yep. I think where we're going to mess up the most is he's not there. We miss the timing mm-hmm. or we mess up the scale. I mean, that's really, I mean, probably in a way how we're just like hammering the lesson home. I'd say those are probably, if you want to just really dumb it down, yeah. that's the mistake that we're going to make. Mm-hmm. We're going to make it probably, probably like, hopefully, well, let me think here. What did I figure? If we do, if we could do five a day, which is absolutely like more than what we've done in the past. If we could do five a day, would get us to 20. Is that yeah. basic math that I did correct? And then I would say hopefully at least 15, 16 of those we completely mess up. Yeah. Really. Yeah. Because if if we get that many in and we're, you know, successful on some of them, that's when we're, we're going to learn a lot. The more we do. And those are the days we're not going to get five in. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. So maybe we'll get, maybe we'll do really well. We'll get like seven or eight some days. Do you think there's any way? I think that's probably one of the funniest parts about it and how we'll wrap this up is just how ridiculous it is <laughs> to coordinate that many dudes and just like going to the bathroom, eating a snack, like all those things that take time out of your hunt when you're alone mm-hmm. gets so amplified, I oh, guess. Oh, and just, but I feel like the thing that we've, we've, uh, we sat down last night and started doing is just like definitely spent more time planning the specifics of a lot of these out. Now that's obviously going to change a little bit when our, we all come and actually look at it together mm-hmm. and finalize it. But at least we have like, we're not sitting here each night or, or worse yet in the middle of the day after a drive. I'm like, we could do this one. Let's, yeah. you know, which we're still going to call audibles here. And there. There's still going to be plenty of that. Having, you know, at least, um, more options than we need. Yeah. I think it's going to help too. Mm-hmm. And it just helps us feel confident for the future. And like, I don't think it ever hurts to, to list, list them out in general, like having plans. Cause it just helps you kind of like in this situation, you know, we could do this and, and doing that a bunch is just reps in a way too. Like looking at maps, mm-hmm. kind of finding those bedding areas, the funnels and then how you would approach it. And then just setting up the timing and all those things start to play out. But, you know, again, I guess back to the coordination thing, something that's just hilarious as well is just actually getting in the vehicle, yeah. like just actually going. It's so ridiculous when you're doing it with a group in general. But obviously, when you get more people, you get more personalities, you get more tendencies. Like, what are some that come to mind of like funny things or like who's going to take too long hmm. to get ready? Other than me. Because I will admit I'm a I'm a take too long I'm a make sure I got everything a million times to where I overthink it. So excluding me, because I have I have a couple probably. <laughs> this is not a take too long, but it's a similar like. Um, we Doug will do this thing. We all do it at a certain point, but it's, for some reason we saw Doug do it first. We've termed layer stressing. <laughs> there's there's always a situation in which it's like wetter or you know you're hotter i mean especially on these days where it's like you're moving 40 maybe 50 maybe sunny maybe rainy <laughs> probably foggy in the morning like there's all these little Variables, things we're yeah. gonna 
you're going to be sitting there and I guarantee there's several people the first morning like, I don't know if I should wear this. Now <laughs> oh, I could, I could bring this with me and then I'll be able to change into what this. What are you guys wearing? Yeah. What you-, <laughs> you think this is too much? All right. Here's what I got. Oh, my app said it's going to rain this morning and mine said it's going to snow. Yeah. And the mindset it's sunny. Wait, did somebody say it's going to rain? Should I bring, bring a rain jacket? I mean, it's just, <laughs> oh, it's yeah. like those things. I that... love like, I love finding yourself in that situation and like you're doing it and you're like looking through your stuff and then I'm usually just like, dude, you're layer stressing. <laughs> and then all of a sudden you're just like, I'm going to be, I'm going to be okay. <laughs> Reel yourself back here. It's good. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's fine. You get frantic. I, I've been cracking up recently when we were in indiana keith ted and nick would just be what looked to me like wearing so many clothes like upper layers too where like that's where i really get hot a lot of times when i'm moving is like you just get hot up in your chest area like Mm -hmm. your neck stuff like that head and like the one day i'm pretty sure ted had two sweatshirts on plus his vest plus his pack keith had like two layers Nothing major, but two lighter layers and a rain jacket, which is just like, and it was humid already. It's like just hot in there. And then Nick had multiple, you know, Nick's from Texas. So he's just got a ton of stuff compared to what I, finally I'm like, you guys are wearing too much. I got to like get down to base layer and vest. And I wore that all day and felt great. Mm -hmm. But it's funny too, like what we're talking about when you're moving, you start to overthink it too. You're moving at the end of the day. When you're doing a deer drive, like you oh basically need you're bare just, minimum, like yeah. probably a big sweatshirt's too much for yeah. me. I'm in a lot of days, a lot of days. Now we also aren't hunting. We're hunting like probably an average of a 40 to 45 degree temperature. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like it's real cold either. So that and, plays and into it. Especially this year, but even other years, like you're not really set for very long. Mm-hmm. Never. So. I mean, really the longest but would be like an hour Anyways, maybe. that's that's totally gone off on a tangent that I didn't mean for it to <laughs> it's great though yeah the layer stressing I feel like is um Doug's my vote but I know I'm taking I'm too gonna long. do it too that's good I like that that's your vote for taking too long just yeah and just I don't know about overthinking yeah things. I don't know about take too long just the overthinking thing what uh so there's there's also somebody's this, uh, gonna have to poop at a really inconvenient time oh Jake it's always Jake <laughs> And then you see a big buck like during that. Yeah. It's always what happens. So hopefully that does happen. <laughs> It'd be great. Somebody shoots one only on GoPro because Jake's dropping back. <laughs> I think uh, the guy that I pick on him so much, poor, poor, poor C. I pick on him so much. But that dude is the guy that comes to mind when it's like, hey, we're all leaving the truck now because we're 100% ready. Like, I'm going to walk another 50 yards and put a primer in my gun. You know, we're hunting. And Colin's, like, not even got his pack on. And he's like, (laughs) you know, like, I just always think of him because probably because we turkey hunted together so much that, like, I just always think about that. (laughs) Actually, I'm pretty sure in one of the turkey hunting videos, I think right before you got to Tennessee that year, I say to him in a video, what are you? how are you not ready? You don't even have anything to get ready. (laughs) (laughs) That's just like that automatically when I think of like getting ready, I just always go to Colin, poor Colin. (laughs) What, uh, what other things like are funny tendencies of people that, you know, have been there 
consistently that come to mind just in general i mean mm. you pick, pick we, hell i'll pick on you you can pick on me mm. i'll give you f- full-on permission one thing that's funny that happened and this isn't a tendency that you have but something that cracks me up is we get back and we're all huddled up and i had just i had just you know gone on my rant about leaving your post on the first drive last year last yeah. year which is a funny tendency of mine is i'll get i'll get heated if things aren't like you know if we're just totally blatantly messing up i can just get fired up which i mean good or bad it's what happens to me <laughs> and i came back and was just like what are we even doing if we're not if we're gonna leave our posts and it was growling at everybody and we're standing there and it's all it's kind of this serious moment where we're transitioning from like that was bad to let's plan the next thing and we're looking at the map and somebody's filming you and Tyler's just like, no wonder you didn't see the effing deer. <laughs> Your scope has just got an entire like like snowball Snowbag. in it. <laughs> and you kinda don't even know what he's saying. And you're kinda just like you kinda don't you like react in a way that's like I'm gonna play this cool, but like I also don't even know what's going on. And then and then you're like, oh, and it dawns <laughs> on you and you pick it out of there. So funny. That's hilarious That's one. Good. Not a mistake you want to make out there. The hair the hair and the comb is a, the Greenbrier comb is also a story that I tell a lot from that day. I, I slipped and somehow Did those were some interesting conditions to have. Because the ground was frozen. Yeah. And it was really steep and that's I didn't like that because we were sliding all over the place. It, it was, made it really hard to walk. Yeah. Frozen general. and then on there was like the powder on top of it mm-hmm. that was frozen. You remember it was, so it was slick. Slip like steep stuff we were into dangerous it it got to where right away we were like whoa we're gonna have to kind of take it easy today because <laughs> like this is insane how much you can just eat it and i slipped into this really narrow ditch we were in a really thick spot in a narrow ditch way down on the bottom <laughs> and i fell and when i f- or slipped and fell and when i fell my hair just wrapped around this green briar that was really i would say call it a mature green briar oh my god super yeah. thick yeah and it just snagged up all my hair <laughs> and it was like just oh, kind of held you stupid. there and i honestly maybe i'm exaggerating but you were there so you you tell me your opinion i may have if i was alone had to have cut my hair off it was that yeah bad. yeah because the way you were like getting pulled downhill for one, you, you you can't stand up even because <laughs> yeah. it was so slick and so steep. And you're just kind of like being held up hill by your hair stuck in Greenbrier. And I'm pretty sure there was something too where there was another stick pinching it. Like it oh, was just bad. It was a mess. It took me 10 minutes to get it out of your hair. <laughs> and at one point we thought we were just going to have to <laughs> just cut it. Cut the cut the hair. Of the, yeah. The hair. Of there was a point where it was just like. Maybe you'll have to. But, yeah, so be careful out there with those conditions, you know. You might get your hair stuck in Greenbrier. <laughs> probably not, though, because you're probably not a freak. Yeah. Yeah. What else? Uh, what else? Anybody? I'm trying to think. You know, it's good to have a, a camp cook, and we got that in Shane, and kind of you, too. Mm-hmm. Ben's kind of the meal prepper, Shane, I would say. Shane's just, he'll surprise you with how much he has. It's all of a sudden <laughs> we've eaten what we think is all the food, and then Shane just walks in, and he's just like, the last night, he'll just be like, oh, I've got this whole brisket I was going to do tonight. 
this for the second meal. She's <laughs> we're like, just like, what? where did you come with all? How did you get here with this this much food? Yeah. But it's great because it's insane. Yeah, you can kind of just chill out and plan stuff and talk about maths and Shane just kind of enjoys that aspect of yeah. it. And hell, I'm not He's kick ass. That ain't me. I'm <laughs> not that guy. But yeah, I don't know. Otherwise, it's just. I don't know. It's fun to just see everybody. It's fun to use. And just fun to catch up on like the year or two. Season stuff. It's like, like all that. I can't think of any other scenario in which I've been around this many people that have also had like a, you know, pretty intense hunting season to this mm-hmm. point. Everybody's got like stories to tell and it's just like you get to catch up for a little reunion. Yeah. <laughs> it's awesome. Kind of the though. end of the season reunion for. It's, it's, it's really. The only thing that I would say at this point that I truly compare to the fun and the learning experience that I get from hunting, like the, the only thing that's really quite like this is when we're elk hunting. We just said yeah. it a little bit ago. It's like the only thing that's truly so much that, that team aspect and we're learning a ton mm-hmm. is, is the elk. And maybe it's because we've been doing it the same amount of time. Maybe that plays into it. Maybe it, and I think a lot of it is to the team aspect of it, but yeah. It's just pure fun, man. And I mean, you can see that in, I think, our faces in these videos. Like, yeah. when we're high-fiving, man, that, that stuff, to have those memories, to me, is so freaking cool. Yeah. Like, I was watching the other day, I just put it in a video in Indiana, like, we're high-fiving at the cliff spot. Shane, <laughs> We're all going up to Shane and Hayden, and we're all coming down, and we're all high-fiving, <laughs> and, and there's laughter, and Jake's just sitting on that edge of that cliff just filming us not saying anything we're all he fell off the cliff dude no way like how awesome is it to have that for forever yeah you know yeah, i don't know that's pretty cool <laughs> yeah. to be able to go back and watch those memories like i don't have that yeah the same with my with like my sports memories i don't have as much video as i do of my hunting memories right. you know what i mean oh, with the God. team we're high five and just we just won yeah we just won the game it was and then awesome. you, you all you get yeah, you go through those ups and downs all together yeah just like we're also just like oh we're all tracking this buck now and it's like oh you know <laughs> all of a sudden we're everyone hates that feeling of between like when you shoot and when you find them it's yeah. just like the anxiety of that it's like the whole group has it and then you find the deer and you're just like whoa shit dude <laughs> it all came together yeah it just i guess amplifies all those emotions mm-hmm. well and also the the like silly mistakes you know yeah because like you know we've used a bunch of examples where we've come back and been mad about something like the the one tyler had come through and i remember him being mad and like you know we learned from that and like the leaving the post thing where while we were like mad about that it's just like it's also we learn from those things but then when the good happens we also learn from that too it's just mm-hmm. i don't know man there's something about that team aspect and everybody just working together that we, I mean, honestly, we talked about it before this for me, what this has done is replaced sports. This satisfies this like need in life that is having a team and being able to do something as a team like that in a big team, I suppose, Mm. you know, and don't get me wrong. We do in other forms of hunting as well. Like certainly have done it a bunch, turkey hunting and any of the elk hunts that we've done, like we've mentioned, but with the deer hunting and with this many people and the filming and all that, it's just, man, it's fun and cool. And I cannot wait. I mean, 
I cannot wait to make these videos. Oh. I really can't. Like I'm sitting here all year. The probably the most fun editing I had last year was when I did the ones from the 2022 season, <laughs> yeah. which is insane. And I, I just that whole se- that whole two video series, man. There's stuff that we haven't even put in yet mm-hmm. from that last day, <laughs> which I'm getting all that raw footage from Greg to like edit all that up because I. Actually, I didn't have a lot of that stuff because Ted and Hayden or oh, Ted and Jake right, always right. splits it dang early. So I got some stuff that y'all haven't even seen yet. Yeah. The last day mistakes of, of old C. Miller. <laughs> We're going to throw him right under the bus and just run him over. <laughs> just <laughs> a lot of college mistakes of that. But, you know, again, we have. I don't know, man. And then the other thing is, too, like the picking each other up. Like you pick yeah. on each other a little bit, but it's also like, hey, man, whatever. Made a mistake. Learn from it. Move on. Yeah. It's still sweet. I mean, you're, you you always say that to me. Hey, still solid. still sweet. And it's just like, yeah, but, you know, in the moment, I'm always like, but. It makes me mad that we didn't get him, but, hey. I think final prediction. What's going to happen? Give me like a four-day quick summary. We're going to get less drives in than we thought because we're... <laughs> I don't want... Oh, because we're getting them? Yeah. Oh, okay. I gave up. I, I assumed too much. Oh, I hope that's our problem. But what days? Like, Give me a little of a day summary. Oh, we're killing one day one. You think? Yeah. Okay, just one. Yeah, just one day one. What else do we see? Um, We see three big bucks. <sighs> we We kill one on a drive and then we see two big ones come out of a spot but they're somewhere that we didn't expect them to be we adjust we go into day two we pick up and kind of an audible adjustment from the day say we saw a trend we have one of these light bulb moments mm-hmm. okay cool that we I can't like predict that. right now because it's the future and we kill two more on day two two more <laughs> <laughs> so ambitious <laughs> okay okay so that's day two and that yeah. would be so that'd be three then total. so you pick up on what you think is gonna happen on day three and four then all right so i think we'll so we've got three bucks down then i think we're gonna have to make some moves hmm. you got any ideas who oh, kills there's, them? there's out of staters trailing us oh people are catching on yeah so cool <laughs> uh, gotta make some moves <laughs> yeah we gotta make some moves we end up driving three and a half hours across the state all glaze county ohio <laughs> we're going to private baby i think that uh after that we're gonna have this light bulb moment then and we're gonna was that do we have the light bulb moment and then kill too yeah light bulb moment is day number one. Oh, okay so i'm thinking then the next morning we kill Okay, so then you're thinking we kind of get out of town even, too, because we're just like, man, there's people everywhere. we got to get somewhere where there's – I mean, we're killing Yeah, bucks, we've just like – But we got to move. We've just knocked like a lot of the population out. Well, we're going to start getting super unique with our strategy, which is something we've talked about doing. If mm. we have success early, we're going to start really mixing things up for the last two days. Mm. So I think day three will just be a bust. We're going to get sloppy and lazy. If we've killed three bucks, I guarantee we're going to get sloppy and lazy. And kind of frustrated, almost like going to day four with like a bad taste in our mouth. Cause it's like, dude, we won, mm. we won, 
you know, day one and two, and then day three, we just got, yeah, we were trying new stuff, but also we got sloppy. Mm. And while we might have some close calls, and hopefully we do and learn some stuff, it's like, eh, especially if that's how it goes, if we really do Mm. that well early. And then day four, we're going to just kind of be like chip on our shoulder, fired up, feel a lot of energy going into the day, maybe a little extra coffee, maybe even like just getting a good fresh start. Something about the start feels good on day four Mm in this vision I'm having. And we come into it with, again, trying new stuff, but everybody's sharp again. Everybody's like knowing, hey, this stage time, I know the stage time, I know my move, I know everybody else's move, I know how I'm going to nail this, and we just right out of the gate kill one on the first drive. And then we're just like, okay, we leave the rest to mystery. We're just like, hey. We can either keep hunting, we can hang him and keep, you know, like we've joked, tag him, hang him, and keep hunting, yeah. or we can chill out because we've shot four bucks. Mm. I was going to say- We'll leave that up to mystery. That's a good point. <laughs> what do you got? What do you got? I was just going to say we're going to shoot four more bucks, and I'm the only one left at the tag because I didn't put a primer in. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I hope that. So. Oh, that's a great point, though. That's maybe something we should put on the list of reminders for the meeting. <laughs> put your primer in. Yep. I'm pretty sure we've told that story on the podcast. Oh, so I'm yeah. Certainly people have heard it, but the shortest version is, what, 17-year-old Ben? Yeah. If, uh, yeah, I don't 16, know. maybe. High school. Young high school, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, mid, yeah. Either way, roughly that time frame, yeah. buck comes in, Ben clicks on it, 40 yards even, oh, yeah. to rub it in. Nice yeah. buck. Beautiful buck from what I remember. (laughs) Click, no primer. So (laughs) hopefully we you know, what over ten well over ten years later now. Hopefully we don't have that same mistake. Hopefully now you've learned from that one. Yeah, and and if I haven't then it would be uh amplified times (laughs) sixteen the feeling I'd have afterwards. (laughs) But anyways, Anyways. that bad juju out there. Yeah. Well, I think that regardless of what happens, I can guarantee you we can have fun. And as cheesy as that is, at the end of the day, that's all that really matters. And if we start killing as many bucks as we're predicting in this, it's probably unrealistic. <laughs> we'll see you back here for the... Uh... Yeah, we'll see you for the wrap-up. So maybe... You, we'll I guarantee you one thing. We're going to be way more tired at that point. Oh, yeah. Definitely. <laughs> and we're going to have like a lot of brisket to eat. <laughs> <laughs> all right, everybody. Thanks for listening. <laughs>